Oh, it's not like it used to be. <laughs> G'day and welcome to the Anarchist History of New Zealand podcast. This is the history of New Zealand through a libertarian anarchist lens, specifically that of Rick Giles. Please enjoy the ideas and let me know what you think. In this episode, we will be exploring a little bit about New Zealand's colonial period when our country was made up of provinces named New Ulster, New Munster and New Leinster. These mega-provinces were short-lived and were replaced by the more familiar ones such as Canterbury, Otago, Auckland, Taranaki, Nelson, etc. Before we get into that story, an audio clip from New Zealand's history. The following is a first-hand account from Charles Hovell of his first and last day at boarding school in Auckland. This is a great yarn and probably the most extreme case in New Zealand history, or the history of the world, of truancy. So they sent me to a boarding school in Auckland. I got there in the morning at 10 o'clock with the carter, car, the carter drove me in with the dray. And when we got there, I went to the school and there was about 70 boys there, a lot of boarders and a lot of day school boys. And uh, my sister put a great big white collar on me and the first pe- long pair of trousers I had in my life on. And I stood up in the school and he read a letter and he looked at me and he read a little more and he looked at me again. He looked at, read a little more and he looked at me again. And he said, now listen, if you break one of the rules or regulation of this school, I'll thrash you. Go to your seat. I said, you speak to me, sir, in a respectful manner, and I'll go to my seat. I'm not a dog to be ordered. With that, he pulled this cane out from under his arm, and he struck at me. The minute he did, I hit him up in the joint, in the solar plex, and knocked him down on the floor, and I kicked him in the ear and laid him out. Then the second in charge said, Wilson, will you hold him? And an overgrown full of when you're six feet skinny beggar come out and he made a grab at me and I caught him with the hand and I sent him over my head flying mare and he fell on the floor and he was out of commission and then it was like a football scrum they got hold of me and knocked me about and got me up 20 steps and two at my feet and two at me hands lagging me up and they laid me down for a minute and I kicked the two down below in the stomach and they landed down to the bottom of the stairs then they took me boots off and locked me up in a, in a room. I thought, well, I better clear out. So I went down to Queen Street. Then over the little bridge there where John Courts was, there was a creek across the creek there. And down, it was just metal, the road, blue metal, fastened and up. And I got down to the Auckland Wharf. It was where started then where... Uh, the Auckland Hotel is now, and it went straight out to one little tea at the end. And I stowed away on the Eidesigler ship. And I lay there all that morning, the way she went around the North Head, and I watched them all day, and I lay there all that day, and for two days and two nights I was watching them. And when we got out to sea, we got into rough weather, and they were making everything snug. 
and the mate come forward and he pulled the sail up where I was stowed away. And he said, when did you come aboard? I said, last night, I think, sir. And he caught me by the scruff of the neck and he took me to the poop, to Captain Reynolds. And he says, follow me, boy, when did you come here? I said, last night, sir, I think. He says, that boy's been doped. Well, he says, I'm 600 miles from New Zealand and I'm not going back with you now. So go forward and help the cook. And I was peeling spuds and up aloft and everything at the time of my life. We got to America, to New York, with cowrie gum and stuff and discharged there and then loaded stuff. And they went to London and old Captain Reynolds gave me two sovereigns then. That recording came from Government Radio's 1YA in 1948. Charlie made it home to his family again the next year to live many more adventures in his very long life. If you'd like to hear more, there's a post about the event on the AHNZ website. Right now, though, it's time to stay with Auckland, but wind the clock back even more. Ten years before Charlie kicked his headmaster in the head, an even more important man was kicking the bucket. Today in history, 8 January 1851, New Ulster lost its first lieutenant governor. Major General George Dean Pitt died at the age of 79, or 70. He had been politically and militarily in charge of the entire North Island, a.k.a. New Ulster, second to Governor George Grey. Born a bastard, George Dean was the son, not the heir, to an English baron. George changed his name to Dean Pitt and worked his way up to the top through the British Army. The entire time of his two-year rule of New Ulster, 1848-51, to 51, the old man was sick, dying, as it turns out. He was at least 70 by this time, however, his grave in Simon Street Cemetery states he was 79 years of age. Buried in such a prime place beside his son and Governor Hobson, in New Zealand's capital city of Auckland, could some detail have been wrongly recorded? Showing the graves and tombstones of Major General George Dean Pitt K.H. and William Augustus Dean Pitt in the Anglican section of Simon Street Cemetery. The inscriptions read, In memory of His Excellency Major General George Dean Pitt K.H. Lieutenant General of the Northern Province of New Zealand and Commander of H.M. Forces of the Colony, died 8 January 1851 aged 79 years, Auckland Library's Heritage Collections with 1950s photo of the graves. So why would anyone want to put a septuagenarian in charge of half of New Zealand? In my estimate, Governor Gray liked that arrangement perfectly well. He wanted to be the big boss of the colony himself and not take any flack from his underlings. His other lieutenant governor for New Munster Province, Edward John Eyre, was a celebrity explorer with no political experience. Dean Pitt was more of a figurehead exerting his power through delegation to his juniors, However, they were first and foremost delegates of the more powerful man, Governor Gray. Pitt and Gray had known each other for years. Indeed, George Dean Pitt had been one of his father's friends and had been present at the Siege of Badajoz where Sir George Gray's father, Colonel Gray, was killed. Kroad.com During the periods in which the Governor-in-Chief being absent, he wielded this authority, scarcely anything was called for beyond routine official acts, and few, if any, political associations are connected with his memory. New Zealander, the 11th of January, 1851, kroad.com. Governor Gray was not able to attend the funeral. He was away visiting the Otago settlers and, I presume, the brand new Canterbury settlers too. Apart from the grave, 
Pitt is perhaps remembered by Pitt Street in Auckland Central, whereabouts he lived. Earlier it had been spelled P-Y-T, for Governor Hobson's preference. However, as well or instead, Pitt Street may have been made to replicate Sydney's earlier example of their Pitt Street, named for the Prime Minister, Pitt, of Great Britain. That's the end of this episode of the Anarchist History of New Zealand podcast. Thanks for listening. Please let me know what you thought and do visit the AHNZ website. The next episode will take us to 1859. Here's a small sample of that show to end this one. The Harrington event was the largest such solar geomagnetic event ever recorded. It was observed in New Zealand from 30 August to 2 September 1859 and we're fortunate to have several witnesses. Apart from a beautiful light show, there is a danger to us in experiencing the next Carrington event.